Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. This is a kid that was benefited by the offense. He was benefited by the structure and by the coaching. If you pay him $45 million, I don't know what team in the league would pay him $45 million. I mean, do you watch? Do you think he's a $45 million a year player? You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VEASAN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, happy Monday post-NFL season. President's Day. You're in Orlando promoting the book, I believe. Maybe a little Disney or Disney World action afterwards. I got a speech to give here in Orlando and to promote the book, but yeah, it's all good. I'd love to know who is the ones and the twos. I mean, I, I hear you say that every show, and <laughs> I always want to ask you, like, who is on the ones and the twos? Who is that? I'm like, I don't know that. I'm surprised it's taking you this long to ask. We're almost on a year of doing this thing, and then you you finally ask now. Uh, the ones and twos, it's the DJ. It's a DJ reference. You know, the the, the person that's getting the party going, and it doesn't start without oh, our, without our boy, it. Elliot Bowman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah I, I got it. Okay, yeah, I got it. I never heard that before. That's like new, but that must be a Seattle thing. <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, it's something that I knew growing up there, though. But uh, yeah, the the ones and twos. Our, our boy Elliot Bowman on him. Uh, but right now, it's he's uh, spinning the records. He's Jerry Blavitt, who just passed away, a Philadelphia legend. He used to spin records in Philadelphia. He was the they called him the Geeter with the heater. He was a guy that just spun records and he became bigger than life. Of course, a lot of it was because he was hanging out with a lot of mafia guys, which, you know, makes you bigger than life anyway. So yeah. it was interesting. The Geeter with the heater. Maybe I'll maybe I'll refer to Elliot as that. Maybe. The, he should the be the geek with the heater. He had a whole thing. He's got a bar in Margate that when I was a kid we used to go to, and he would spin records. And, you know, he was on the ones and twos. I never knew he was. <laughs> well, let's get into the NFL news and notes that people will come to us for here on the GM Shuffle podcast. Uh, earlier today, we saw that Daniel Jones, we saw the report, I believe this was from Mike Garofolo over at the NFL Network, that Daniel Jones, quarterback of the New York Giants, wants more money than has been offered to him by the Giants Daniel Jones is is wanting as much as $45 million per year, according to some sources. The big news with Jones, though, is that he has now changed his agency. He's gone over from CAA to now Athletes First. Uh, how do you think that factors into what Jones might get paid this offseason? Because someone's going to pay him something. We just don't know which team and, and how much. Well, I think the number one rule in free agency, you can't be as scared of free agency. The Giants are. They typically are scared of free agency. They never allow the value of their players to seek the level in the market. They want to sign their guys. They have this provincial mentality to bring their guys back. And that's cost them to overpay. So 
it, you know, in the Daniel Jones situation, for me, I wouldn't franchise him. I would just say, we're your best opportunity. You go out there and go see what your level is, and we'll come back and offer you what we think is fair based on our salary structure. Now, you got to be prepared for the guy to leave you. But no quarterback ever wants to leave a good situation. Like, they're not going to leave over over for, you know, they're not going to leave to go to another team and after the, he's had the best season. So you can't be scared in free agency. You almost got to play poker and say, okay, I'll call your bluff. And he, and he went from CAA, who's probably telling him, look, you know, you had a great year. Here's where we think your value is. Meanwhile, he went to another agent who was probably telling him, I think I can get you more. I mean, I think I can get you more. I think I can get you know these. Every agent thinks they you know that's how they that's how they steal clients from everybody else. They mm-hmm. say, oh, "You got a bad deal. I'll get you more." And so he's so he's believing it. To me, you know, this is a kid that was benefited by the offense. He was benefited by the structure and by the coaching. If you pay him forty five million, I mean, I don't know what team in the league would pay him forty five million. I mean, do you watch? Do you think he's a forty five million dollar a year player? Not a chance. And if you use this bullshit, don't use this bullshit on me. Well, what else are we going to do if we don't sign him? That's no. the Dak Prescott line that everybody loved, said at the time. But now everybody's saying, you know, he's not worth that number. See, that that's that's the line that they use to get you through the to get you through the rain. They want you to they want you to use that line. They want you to say, well, what am I going to do? Well, look, I won nine games with him. OK, and, and nobody uses this logic. I won nine games with him. Right. We got blown out by the Eagles in all in three games, the two that he played in specifically. Right. He really didn't make a difference. So am I going to be seven and ten without him? Maybe. But I'll have cap room. Would I be would I be ten and seven with him? Maybe. But I won't have cap room. I mean, like, does he move the needle? Do you think as a as a former DJ on the ones and twos, do you think he moves the needle? He does not. Daniel Jones doesn't get the party started. He's at the party, but he doesn't get the party started. That, that's for damn sure. He doesn't do that. And, I mean, look at their, their season this past season. They won one division game. I'm not paying $45 million to a quarterback that won one division game this past season. And they season. tied one. They tied one. They yeah. could have lost that game. I mean, they tied one, right? I mean, so, like, they're and they're not even close to Dallas or Philly. They're not there mm-hmm. yet. And they're paying Leonard Williams. I mean, think about this. Leonard Williams on their cap is $32 million. That's what he charges them on their cap. Wow. And it would cost him $20 million to get rid of him. It cost him 12 after June 1. Kenny Dolliday, who's, you know, basically, you know, besides Jimmy Hoffa, we can't find Kenny Kenny Galladay. He's charged on their cap, he's $21 million. It's a ski now, mask hall you know, of famer. Cost to get, yeah, I mean, it's going to cost 14 to get rid of him. It's going to cost 6 7 in June. So you doing that? I mean, they could have traded a seventh-round pick for a Dory Jackson and kept his contract. But they went and redid the deal. And now he's on for ten million. I mean, like seriously, like at some point you can't just pay everybody. It's not. A sh- I mean, we're not at fucking Denny's. You just can't. Everybody can't eat. So the interesting thing, though, is that tonight on the East Coast, or like at least nine o'clock p.m. East Coast time, or West Coast time, which will be midnight East Coast time tomorrow, Tuesday, essentially, is what I'm trying to say here will be the opening window of when teams can start to franchise tag or transition tag some of their players now that deadline will go all the way till march 7th uh i believe at four o'clock eastern time so teams will have now all the way to march 7th to kind of negotiate these deals which have the negotiations have already started kind of happening already with these players and their teams but that's the deadline about when they can franchise tag their guys the giants they have two really key free agents daniel jones a quarterback saquon barkley the running back 
I would imagine that they would lean towards tagging Jones because he plays the more important position, but then Saquon Barkley now becomes an unrestricted free agent here. If they were to tag Jones and that number, $32.4 million, that's kind of where the negotiations probably have to start because he would not take any less than that on a per-year basis since he'd make that on the franchise tag. I would I would franchise Saquon. It's ten million. Ooh, and, and I would tell and I would and I would do it for one year, and I wouldn't really want to do a long term deal because I don't want to pay a guy that I'm worried about getting injured. I'd do it on a one year deal. I would offer him a three year deal at thirty million for three at that franchise number, not with an increase, but I would franchise him with that deal, and then I would tell Daniel Jones, bring me back an offer. Now the agent's going to lie to you and come back with some offer, but. You and I both know who's paying him $45 million. Like, let's go no through the teams. Who's are the Tennessee Titans going to pay him $45 million? No. I mean, no. I mean, Derek Carr, the reason Derek Carr got cut, and we can talk about this later, is because Carr at $120 million over three years, that deal, nobody wanted to trade for it. They wanted to restructure that deal. Who's paying Daniel Joe? Okay, the Bears have $94 million. Are they paying him? No. no. Are the Falcons paying him? The Falcons are going to pay. They're at fifty-six million. They're going to pay him all that. No. I mean, are the Texans? They got thirty-seven million. Are you going to turn around and turn your? See, when you pay forty-five, you're not giving them forty-five for one. You're turning. You're saying he's the face of our franchise, and you are going to carry us to the promised land. Are you saying that with Jones? Not, not a chance. He, he doesn't meet that threshold to be a so quarterback. So what am I scared about? Who's going to beat me on him? Who's got a better hand than I have in the poker game? I don't think anybody does. Uh, right. I, I'm there's... not saying I don't want you. I'm not dismissing what he did. I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. I'm saying for us to be an elite team, he's got to give us something back. And if Dave Dunn thinks he's going to get $45 million, then God bless, go get it. Go get it. And I mean, look look at John Schneider and Pete Carroll. They weren't scared of it. I mean, I kept saying all summer, I don't know how they went on vacation, and Geno Smith came through for him. You don't think mm-hmm. that you could get a quarterback to play similar to, if not as well as Daniel Jones? Somewhere you can get Ryan Tan. I don't know who, but sometimes fear does the work of reason. So if Jones takes off, you may have to now, instead of overpaying him, you may have to draft one. What's wrong with that? You you didn't pick up his option anyway. <laughs> Which is, I think it was them telling us what they thought about him. But uh, you know how they are in New York. They're, they want to they wanna fall in love. They're probably in the top five of the worst self-evaluating teams in the league. They lie to themselves. They have reached, they have self-bias. They don't, they're not honest with their own players. They want to stick their chest out and say, see, these guys are great. You know, I mean, how do well we listen to Gettleman, how he's rebuilt the team? Well, Gettleman's only good if the coaches can develop, mm-hmm. right? Like that talent, that roster was, I know it went to the playoff. It's not a playoff roster. It's it's got a lot of holes that need to get fixed. And with with all this money they have this year. 46 million. It's great to fix it. It's great, but you can't fix it when you give 45 a year to the quarterback. I mean, because what fans don't realize that if that average is 45, you can lower his cap number, but that's cash coming out. Mm-hmm. Sooner rather than later, we're going to have to do the top five worst self-evaluating teams. We'll do that for another podcast because you said that, and we'll have to bookmark this. Elliot, make sure to make that note in a future podcast. We're going to do the top five. As free agency draws near, top five worst self-evaluators, I think is be a really good well, topic. Let's for have us. this conversation here now. I mean, the Bears are going through self-evaluation. The question, the number one question that the Bears have to answer is, can we get to where we want to go with Justin Fields? 
Now, I know where you are on Justin Fields, mm-hmm. but that's the fundamental question the Bears have to answer. Can we get to where we got 94 million? Are we better off drafting a guy at number one, trading Fields? You've got all these options. You're Monty Hall in Chicago. You got door number one, keep Fields. Door number two, trade Fields, draft one. Door number three, wait till next year to draft one. I think that's going to be the question that shapes their entire offseason. It's going to dictate whether they decide it's to trade that number one overall franchise. pick. Yeah. It's going to shape their franchise. And they have a lot of options, like you outlined there. Now, you know which one that I would go with because I, I believe in my guy. I believe in my guy. Kicking it to the curb. You don't mind kicking it to the curb. What, what are we kicking but, to the curb? I mean, if he plays well he next year. Not. At some point, you get paid a lot of money. You're Ryan Poles. You get mm-hmm. paid a lot of money to make the decision whether the guy can play or not. Ted Thompson got paid a lot of money. He said, Aaron Rodgers can play. Boom, he won. He got it. That's why you get paid that money. You don't get paid that money for a guess, or you don't get paid that money to say, I think. You're Mm -hmm. in that job because you're supposed to know. One of the first things they ever said on television about when I started doing TV is, uh, they said, don't ever say you think. Always say you know, because when you think, they're not convicted. So you got to know at this point, Ryan Poles has watched 17 games. He's watched preseason. Mm-hmm. He's watched three practices Practice, a week. Yeah. He's got to know. Well, if I was in that spot, I would know. Of course you would. I would know. You would, you would keep him. I know you. You would keep him. I, I would. You would, you would, I would have those would binders on. You just keep loading the wagon. <laughs> hey, hey the, the, the wagon, the, there's seats that are left on the wagon here, Michael. If you want to come join me. In the Monsters of the Midway, let's go ahead and do that. But you know what I would do with Justin Fields at quarterback. Uh, um, to wrap up this conversation with the New York Giants, because you said that you would franchise tag Saquon Barkley, but you don't want to give him a massive extension that's three, four, five years or so. You'd do three over 30 and do the 10-year million, uh, 10 million per year type of deal. On a running back, though, is it cost-effective, even though it's only $10 million, is it cost effective to use the tag on a position where the player tends to be injury prone? Like if you don't, cause you've already said you don't want to give him like the big deal. So then why give him the, the tag or any deal at all? Well, because I'm going to buy him for a year. I'm renting him, Right. And mm-hmm. if he takes the deal, I'm going to give him to him. Great. If he doesn't, I, I walk, but I would, because I think he's improved in the passing game. I would only play pay a weapon. Like if I were the Oak, if I were the Las Vegas Raiders, I would franchise Jacobs. Okay. And I would sign another running back. And he whether it's the Zaire White kid or another back. And I would use, I would use Jacobs like Kamara mm-hmm. as a weapon. That kid is way better in the passing game than we ever knew until this year. Like I would take some miles off him. And I would use him in the passing game. And I would make him the focal point. Not a, I don't want to say he's a nickel back, but I would say he is the alternate back. And I would pay him like, because he's a weapon. He's hard to cover. He's harder to tackle. And he can close out games. So you're getting Mariana Rivera, and you're getting a starting pitcher. So, And if I do a smart thing of keeping him healthy and don't utilize him, and I have another back to take some of the load off him, I got something now. I'm getting more with less. So he's a weapon. I don't want to pay a guy who's not a weapon. I don't want to pay a back who's just going to run it. Like that would be Miles Sanders. Do you think if you think Miles Sanders can impact the passing game to the level of he's going to get nine yards a catch, then he's a valuable commodity to pay. We have this notion don't pay running backs because 
we're making that statement as if it were 1970 in the backs, there are two backs in the backfield. Mm-hmm. The backs go, when they extend and they can impact the passing game, become a dangerous weapon if they can make yards after the catch. I think that makes a lot of sense. Jacob being one of those kind of factor backs that we see in the NFL, he was the best player on the, well not, uh, Devontae Adams was the best, best player on the Raiders offense, but Jacobs was right there behind him for the playmakers that they have. It was the most consistent, I thought, throughout the season here. Ultimately, what do you think happens with Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones with the Giants? Do you think that they bring they both back? Do you think they, they bring Write it down right now. It's February the 20th. Write uh-huh. it down. They'll both get overpaid. The Giants will cave. I mean, the Giants wow. have when, – when Dayball walked in, they had one of the worst, worst caps in, in football. The Giants love to sign their own players, and the agents know that. It's the same thing that happened when I was in when I was in Oakland. Every agent knew if Al loved the player, he could get whatever he wanted from me. And I and I was defenseless. I couldn't argue. Fucking Chad Slaughter, an offensive tackle, a high cut left tackle. I mean, for some reason Al loved him. I, and I'm the guy who brought him in. I'm the guy who brought him in. I thought he'd be a swing tackle. And once he once he made more than the minimum, we'll find another swing, right? Mm-hmm. But naturally, once he got there, he went on scholarship. So there's Chad Slaughter. He's over there. And now I got to deal with Jordan Moy, who fucking thinks he's got goddamn, you know, he's got John Ogden over here at left time. Like, this fucking guy isn't any good, Jordan. Like, yeah, but, you you know, you'll get in trouble if you don't sign up. Yeah, I know I'll get in trouble. Like, fuck, I'll deal with it. I've been in trouble before. I've been called an idiot numerous times. But, like, that's ridiculous. At some point, you got to say no. Do you think that's going to be different, though, with Joe Shane coming over from Buffalo and being Brian Dable? Because now we have a new general manager. Or is this something that's like a mandate from ownership of saying, hey, guys, get it done. I don't care what it costs. I mean, I think it's the – well, I mean, you, so all the pro people evaluate the quarterback. I bet you Daniel Jones in that giant organization on their pro board, he's got, fuck, he's got blue chip grades. I'm sure they all grave him. Like, I don't see him as a blue chip player. I see him God as a help top- him. You know, I see him as I see him somewhere between 25 and 18 in quarterbacks. Can I win with them if the team's good around them and the coach understands what he can do? That doesn't mean he's not a good player. I'm not suggesting that mm-hmm. like that people get, you know, but I worry about his durability. He did a great job protecting the football this year. He stayed healthy this year. But do I have enough confidence that I'm just going to turn my like he's the face of the franchise? Of course not. And to put things into perspective, he threw 15 touchdowns last year. 15. He didn't make a throw down the field. They didn't let him. They didn't let him play because they were wanted to. Ma- they managed the game to mm-hmm. get nine wins. And if they got behind in a game, they weren't counting on him to make the play because when the game speeds up, Daniel doesn't speed up. Like that's not going away. They hit him, and a lot of quarterbacks get hidden. But what are you going to do? There's a reason why they hit him because I think they're very aware of what his ceiling is as a player. And I think that's going to factor into what they ultimately do uh, in terms of paying him. He's not going to get the $45 million that he's hoping for. Maybe he gets 35 or 40 but I promise you Dave Dunn is probably telling him he can get it for him. I mean, yeah, look, well. you know, agents will take credit for everything. I mean, I know he c- kind of will, you know, guys take credit for getting guys interviews. You know, it's like hilarious. Oh, I got you that interview with that team. No, you didn't, you know. <laughs> Because the the great thing they have is nobody can check the facts. Yeah, that's true. Got to pull up the text messages and see what's going on there. Uh, the franchise tag, though, was going to be a big thing in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. Now, he is a much better quarterback than Daniel Jones. His issue the past couple of years has been staying healthy. We'll likely see the exclusive tag applied to Lamar. 
Do you think that after a tag is applied that they could actually get into contract negotiations to where they could sign a long-term contract, or do they just use the exclusive tag to then maybe facilitate a trade with one of these quarterback needy teams? I was told, and I would say this, I don't know if this is hearsay or the the word I heard on the street is Lamar, John Harbaugh called Lamar into his office and said, hey, here are the guys I'm looking for for OC. And he handed him a piece of paper. And Lamar took about a minute of it and said, whatever you want to do. So he was like, it wasn't like, I want Munkin. I don't want Munkin. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, I want this. He, he didn't care. I think to me, if I were the Baltimore Ravens, I would franchise him with the exclusive tag. And I would wait and see if anybody's calling me up to offer me a once in a lifetime trade, because once in a lifetime comes once in a lifetime. So if you're out there and you want to offer me all these boatloads of picks and you're willing to pay him a contract that he wants to do, then maybe I got to think about it. I think the Ravens are smart business people. I think they'll do that. Do I think they'll trade them? No, because I don't think somebody's going to come in with that appetite, but maybe the jets would. Maybe the Jets would just say, okay, you know, we'll give you whatever you want. If we're going to give it for Aaron Rodgers, we'll give it to you for for Lamar Jackson. Maybe they do. I don't know. Don't ever count on being smart as one of the things that help people in free. No, stupidity does run rampant at times. Desperation is what creates stupidity. And so if you're Baltimore, why not just sit there and see if somebody's going to come offer you something that is too good to pass up? Well, we did see around this time last year, There was a team in the NFC South that was gunning for Deshaun Watson, and that was the Atlanta Falcons. Would you potentially see the Atlanta Falcons giving up multiple number ones? Because if they were going to do it for Deshaun Watson and all the baggage that he had, why wouldn't they do that for Lamar Jackson, who has none of that baggage, and the only concern is a big one, is the injuries? Yeah, I mean, I think you could. I mean, it depends on where they think they're going with Ryder, who struggled to complete passes. You know, where where Arthur Smith feels like he can take – what's the rider's level? And it's hard to tell right now. That's a hard one to tell. But, you know, you put Lamar with Arthur Smith's offense, uh, it could be really good. I mean, uh, it could, yeah. that could be really something special. But, you know, and maybe and maybe he would. I, I would think I'll, – I'll, I know this – you know, I don't want to upset you on President's Day. But, you know, what if Miami called up? Because the, I'm told reliably that – if Lamar went anywhere, he wants to play in Miami. He wants to play close to home. Yeah, that's where he's from. So if 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 say they offered a package of Tua, I I know that's that's I'm about I, I know it's a <laughs> you're, you're trying thing. to ship my guy I, out I, of town. I, I advance. I can't certainly do that. I don't want to. I'll I'll, I'll I'll go to confession immediately after this. But it's the first segment. Offer, you're taking shots at Tua and Fields. I mean, what's, I mean, I, I got more in my in my arsenal. I mean, we'll, we'll take a you know we can shoot down to whoever we got to. <laughs> But, I mean, like, maybe they do. Maybe huh. they offer a package. Okay. I mean, Miami, McDaniels' scheme, Lamar, what they could do with that run well, game. McDaniels throws the ball too much for Lamar. I mean, I mean, to me, he's throwing it way too much. I mean, he's got receivers down the field. Yeah. But to me, the Arthur Smith offense and Lamar That's is what you want. Oh, yeah. You want a play action, hard, hard, really good run game, which is what we thought McDaniels was going to run down there. I can't wait for when McDaniels is thrown all over the lot and Vic walks down there and tells him, like, hey, can we just fucking get through the game here? <laughs> what, a du- what a duo that is, man. Make that a buddy cop, <laughs> Vic Fangio and Mike McDaniels down there on South Beach. It's the new Miami Vice. Uh, Lamar, though, you mentioned that what you had heard, and maybe it's hearsay, maybe it's true, 
that Lamar said that do whatever you want, hire whichever offensive coordinator you want. I know there's some people out there that will hear that nugget and think, is Lamar done with the Ravens? Is this more a move that Lamar wants out versus Lamar versus the Ravens not being certain about giving him an extension? Like, do you think this this could come to where Lamar says, all right, I'm done with you guys. You didn't trust me or you didn't have enough faith in me to give me the extension. I'm going to go somewhere else that is going to give me the money that I desire here. Is Lamar perhaps done with the Baltimore organization? You know, that, that's a fair question. And I think if you read today's Daily Coach where we wrote about rejection, right? Mm-hmm. People that get rejected. Okay, so there's this great violinist, Joshua Bell, who decides to go down in the metro station in New- in Washington, D.C., and he-, he got a baseball cap on, looks somewhat homeless. He's got a $3.5 million violin in his hand, and he starts playing music. And he's playing Bach. And he's down there, and 1,072 people or something like that walk by him. And only seven leave a tip. He only gets $32. And 20 came from somebody who recognized who he was. And so essentially the moral of the story is rejection. He was rejected by all this. Nobody stopped in there. Actually, kids were the only people that stopped in their tracks because the music was so powerful. The point here as it relates to Lamar is simply this. When you get rejected by an offer, which is no different than getting rejected by your music or rejected by not getting the coaching job you wanted, you, when you personalize it, you become very, very bitter and you don't make good decisions. And I think we all have done that in our lives. I know I have. You know, you go, you're up for a GM job. You don't get it. You get bitter. You get personal. You, you, don't, you don't really do what you have to do. So my point here is this. Lamar shouldn't take it personally that they're not willing to guarantee him his whole contract. Mm-hmm. He should just simply say, look, unless you do that, you know, I'm not going to be fully committed. I'm not taking it personally, but that's just the reality. And try to find a way to come to some solution. And I just think that would be the smart play. Yeah. No, it, it, negotiations can be very humbling, I think, for a lot of people. Like when you hear what actually goes on in some of those negotiations, uh, you, you start to feel and figure out what your employer, in this case the Baltimore Ravens, kind of thinks about you. And, and they're also figuring out what Lamar Jackson thinks about them as well. We'll see if they can patch things together. I still contest that they are better off together Lamar with the Ravens like that's the best situation possible but maybe they can't patch this thing up but again there's three things at play here right so the the Giants are better off with Daniel Jones than the options out there but that's only when you value two things today's NFL it's a three-dimensional problem right it's it's the player it's the the it's the talent of the player it's the fit in the scheme and it's the contract the contract ultimately has as much if there's a pie you know like what what yogi Berra say to somebody when he when he said there he said uh hey don't cut that in eight pieces i can't eat that much just yeah. cut it in half <laughs> you know it's like that you know how much do you how much of the pie are you you gotta the contract has to match the talent mm-hmm. and so what we're saying about daniel jones and what we're saying about lamar is when you extend the money to those guys you're essentially saying i'm giving you a loan you're like a mortgage broker. I'm giving you a loan, and the value of your play must meet the loan. Well, like let's take Leonard Williams. Does the value of Leonard Williams at $18 million this year with a 32 with a $32 million cap, does that meet the value? Of course it doesn't. Does Kenny Galladay at $21 million on the cap, does he meet the value? Of course he doesn't, right? So that that that's two bad loans you've given out. 
That's how you have to evaluate it. And what you try to do is we all do it too. We make bad loans because what have I said all along? This should be in every cap guy's room. You could never overpay for great. You can only overpay for good. Like you can't overpay for Mahomes. Nope. You can't. But you can overpay for Daniel Jones. And it's that overpayment of Daniel Jones is how you get in cap hell. Trust me, I've done it. We've overpaid for – we've made a living overpaying for bad players in, in, in Oakland because we had to. We Oh, we could we, – the bus will never find its way to the sta- – I wrote about this in Gridiron. The bus will never find its way to the stadium because if we don't have him on the bus, the bus driver's lost. It's funny how that happens over the course of an offseason. Let's take our first break, Michael. I want to talk about some more quarterbacks on the other side, starting with my guy who you're trying to uh, maybe take some shots at in the midway, uh, Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears. We'll discuss that here on the GM Shuffle. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So... As a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. Okay, Michael, Justin Fields is going to be talked about a lot this offseason because the Chicago Bears own the number one overall pick. Jason Lockenfora over at Odyssey and CBS does a lot of insider work for the NFL, said, quote, multiple NFL general managers came out after the Senior Bowl fairly convinced that Fields will be traded. Will you kind of, I guess, would you, I should say, if you were GM, if you were Ryan Poles, would you trade Fields and maybe draft one of these guys with a number one overall pick, or would you buy into Justin Fields and build around him? You know, I, I mean, I think I, I, I think I would make the move. I, I just don't think Fields can throw the ball consistently enough to win games and to be able to throw it with the, the ability to make the players around him and feel good about it, right? So, you know, I just feel like, to me, He's a really good athlete, but at the most important position, he's got to be a good thrower. And his delivery coming out of college was always problematic for me. I thought he sprayed the ball, and I think he'll continue to do that. You know, I think C.J. Stroud's a better pro prospect than he is. And so if you didn't draft him, if you're Ryan Poles and you didn't draft him, then, you know, you have no real investment in him. What can you get for him? Like, what could you get for him? I think you have to play all those scenarios. You can't just say, we're not trading him. Because that, that's ignorance. That Then you're not doing justice to the – you owe it to the franchise to explore every option. You owe it to the – that's the job of the general managers to protect the franchise. So you owe it to them 
I would suspect if there are conversations that La Confora has coming out of the Senior Bowl, I suspect that a lot of the coaches that talk to the Chicago coaches are saying, yeah, we're probably, you know, they have doubts about that. And, and, you know, we all know that you could have, I mean, it's other than you, that it's easy to have doubts about them. But, you know, I think that's would be fair. I get why people are having the conversation because, like you said, doing your due diligence is definitely something you want to do when you're the general manager of an NFL team. But let's also be fair to what's going on with Justin Fields. I mean, his first season, his rookie season, I don't really factor that in based on the talent and what they had around him. This past year, 3-12 and 12 as a starter, obviously that's pretty bad. But you look at that roster the Chicago Bears had, and it was a 3-12 and 12 roster. I don't think they were losing games because of Justin Fields. In fact, I think they were competitive in games because of Fields and what he was able to do on the ground. Does he need to improve as a passer? Of course he does. Only 2,200 passing yards, 17 passing touchdowns, more than Daniel Jones, by the way. 11 interceptions. But you add on the rushing numbers and that productivity, and you have a guy that had 25 touchdowns, 3,000-plus yards of total offense there. Can he limit the turnovers? Of course. But the surrounding cast that he had was not very good. I think that he was trying to do way too much and being a competitive player to where if you gave him a better offensive line, you gave him better pass catchers, I think you'd have a productive offense using that six-back attack that we've talked about a number of times throughout this season and that attack being successful, seeing it firsthand with the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Well, I mean, he fumbled 16 times, Femi. 16 times he put the ball on the ground. Plus he threw 11 interceptions, you know, and, and he's got a 60% completion percentage that barely a lot of them are bubble screens. A lot of them are throws down. He can't throw it up the field. Sacked 55 times for a guy that can move around. Sacked 55 times for a guy that can move around. Like, I mean, all you just did there is you just do what a lot of scouts do is you make excuses saying it's the players around them. They need to get better when it's him. He is it really good enough. You fumble 16 times. You throw 11 interceptions. You know, you have a hard time completing just rhythm throws like it makes it challenging. And unless and I'm not there unless I felt like as the GM that he could improve. I mean, when I went to Cleveland. When I went to Cleveland, I thought I'd never like Brandon Whedon coming out in the draft. I never did. Mm-hmm. But when we went there and and it was always, well, they had a thousand excuses. Everybody did. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter who was around Brandon Whedon. We were never going to be good enough. Like you could see he wasn't an elite player. He had an elite arm. He could throw it. And if he had time to throw it, he was accurate. But he couldn't make other people around them better. You keep using the logic, well, the team around them isn't any good. Well, the team around Daniel Jones wasn't any good, and he made them look better. I mean, there's an argument for that. So what, what was that? I just think to me, you got to – Poles has got to make a stand-up. He's got to drop his nuts and say, look, this guy can or he can't. To me, it's either we go all in or we're out. I don't think you can continue to tiptoe down the road. I don't think they should tiptoe. I would be all in. On Justin Fields because that talent is too much. And and I get what you're saying that you got to make these guys better as well. But anybody would look at that Bears roster and say, this is not a roster that's serious in competing. Like, like his teammates were bad. And now maybe both is, both are true. Maybe it's he, he's bad and his teammates bad and the team was just bad. Because if you look at the record, then you could easily come to that decision since they went 3-14. and 14. But I think there's something there with Fields. And I would at least want to try and see what it would look like with better teammates around him before I made the decision of, oh, he can't play. Because I think we're too but early yeah, in his career. But I mean, 
like he can't they can't throw the ball. Femi, they've had one, they had one game, one game all year that they threw for over 200 yards. One game. They had four games where they threw below 100 yards. They had they had uh, I want to say let me see. They they might they've had 10 games where they threw for less than 150 yards. I mean, I like Joe Burrow had the shittiest offensive line in football and he was I mean, like how are you how can you justify that? I mean, 150 yards passing in the National Football League can happen in a in a, in a quarter and a half. This guy, they got four games where they threw for less than 100 yards. I mean, you know? when, when I you, mean, then they got another, then they they got basically another six that they throw for less than 150. They're 10 games they can't throw the ball. They have one game over 200 yards. One game. Uh, well, let's look at the receivers that he was throwing to. Well, Dar- I mean, Darnell Mooney, is he is he screaming I mean, he wide receiver for, one for a good team? He can play for anybody's team. Darnell Mooney can play for anybody's team. He can play for anybody's team, but can he be the wide receiver one for a good team? I think Mooney could be. But no, look, let's put this in perspective here. Now, there's not a lot of number ones. Like that's the other misconception about the NFL. There's not a lot of ones on anybody's team. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. All right, so let's like, could he be a number two? Um, yeah, he could be a number two. You know, I mean, Darnell Mooney and and let's say Lockett up Seattle. Lockett's a better player, but are they yeah. similar? They got similarities. You know, you got you got your boy. Uh, they brought Claypool in. It was playing for the it was playing for the Steelers as a number two. Yeah, Steelers couldn't wait to get rid of him. Well, I mean, they, 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 the reason they got rid of him is they want they didn't want to pay him. Well, I'm not saying that's right. I'm, I, look, you could say Brian Pringle played for the Chiefs. He played for the Chiefs. He was catching balls in Chiefs playoff games. He had 10 catches. Like, you go play receiver for Fields and tell me how you like it. <laughs> if I get open, I'm I think. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, I think it to me it's a foul. I mean, we can keep having this argument, but at some point he's got to th- show that he can throw the ball. He's got to get the ball to home plate. Like, what's that guy in, in uh, Bull Durham? I mean, that's what he's like. And I think he needs to get better. I'm not saying that he's – a finished product by any means, but I still think that you can invest in him because he has shown the flashes of being a good player. He just needs to continue you to get better. Flashes. And you love you're the flash guy. I'm I mean, name you flash. you I, love flashes. Not but every quarterback got, can give you flashes, though. But but I mean, if you keep waiting for the flashes, you, you're going to get fired. Like I, I mean, like Bailey Zappi gave flashes. He gave Bailey Zappi did more as a rookie than Justin Fields did. I, I'm not saying Bailey Zappi's any good. I'm just saying he did way more. I mean, he can throw the ball better than he could. I mean, Bailey Zappi is, is he's in a real program in New England. I mean, Fields Chicago's in the dumps. <laughs> I mean, let's. I mean, you see, you can just keep blaming it on everybody. But I'm telling you, who would take Fields? That would be the question. See, if, if I were in the league and I were the Eagles, I'd take Fields. You say why? Because I would have Fields as the other guy to go along with Hurts to save Hurts. And I get three years out of him at cheap money. I bring him in, and he would be like a running back quarterback. If He'd be slash. <laughs> you want to make I would, any starter. team that ran a six-back attack, I would be interested in Fields. Not as a starter, but as the as the kind of like coming off the hockey line. Here he comes. <laughs> he's, he's, in, he's in line two. Justin Fields is coming in. Uh, Here he, and, and, you know, who's the quarterback is – is Daniel Jones going to play quarterback or is Fields going to play quarterback? Okay, we'll put Jones, you know, got a rookie contract. I'd take him and put him in that role. It's like Cordell Patterson. Like, to me, it, just hypothetically say this, and, and the Panthers wanted to sign him, but they were held up on 
they were held up on Deshaun Watson. They couldn't sign Patterson and they couldn't sign Riddick. Mm-hmm. They got held up on that. So what happened was they lost both players. They lost Riddick to Philly. The, but if you had Cordell Patterson with McCaffrey, now McCaffrey's not the lead dog. You see what I'm saying? McCaffrey comes a better player. Mm-hmm. If you put Justin Fields in that as a as the backup quarterback, but he's playing on Sunday, you're taking off some of those hits. I think Fields is a worker, and I'm I'm willing to invest in people who are workers, especially when they have talent. So that's why I'm taking the chance on him as as a player to continue to get better. I know that you would move on from him. Would C.J. Stroud be the guy that you would kind of identify, or would it be one of these other quarterbacks? And we'll have plenty of time to talk about these quarterbacks. I, but I just want to get I'm early. Gonna, when I get back from this trip, I'm going to start on the draft. So yeah, okay, that's the next start on the quarterbacks. But I mean, just from what, just from to me, TV scouting, I, I would say Stroud would be the at least he's got size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's got prototypical size. Bryce Young being an outlier uh, physically, uh, where where he's at under six feet and under two hundred pounds. Let's get over to the guy that's in the darkness retreat because you had this interesting note that you brought up from Bob McGinn, who's worked a lot of years covering the NFL, covering the NFL draft. He's covered the Packers up in Wisconsin. And Bob McGinn put out in, I believe it was either a tweet or in the article that he wrote, but he said, as of right now, I'm convinced based on my own instincts and knowing the NFL and knowing what happens after all these defeats and discussions with someone who has firsthand knowledge of this organization, of the Packers' internal debates, that they are done with Rodgers. That's why it is right now, or that's the way it is right now, that he's not coming back. They're disgusted with him, and they're done with him, and they're moving on. This is going to involve money and a trade partner and all kinds of things disgusted is a strong word to use with where the Packers are at with Aaron Rodgers. Is that what you're hearing? That they are just flat out done with this guy and they're done with kind of the wishy-washy, will he come back? Will he not come back? What's he doing? Uh, Where are the Packers at here with Rodgers and may they move on regardless whether he retires or decides to want to continue playing football? You know, I think to me, just reading the tea leaves and I think when Bob McGinn reports it, who's, Wired up there at Green Bay. He's retired. Used to be the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel guy. Does a great job on the draft. He's got sources in the building still, you know. And I just think to me, the the vibe that I get out of Green Bay is they've had it. They're done. Like mm. they've had it. They won nine games with them and they put up with the headaches. You know, how much could they win seven without them? Who cares? But they got a decision to make $20 million down the road on Jordan Love. Now, they say Jordan Love's better than he was. The only people that know that are are the people who watch practice. It's hard for me to say whether Jordan Love was actually better. I don't know that. You know, mm-hmm. I can't tell that. So, you know, I don't know how that's going to look. But I think it, I think they've had enough. And I, I think they're tired of the, you know, is he the Hamlet, to be or not to be. Am I going to play or am I not going to play? What am I going to do, right? I mean, mm-hmm. am I doing this? Am I not doing it? You know, it's like bullshit. Let's just move on. And if they got the backing of the – if they got the backing of the owner, which is Mike – which is – Oh, Mr. Wilson, if they got it of Wilson, then, you know, why not? Why not go for it? I mean, but look, they know. The guy threw 21 passes this year, Jordan Love. He's completed 14 of them, Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't know what it does. I mean, but at least he averaged 9.3 yards in attempt. He got. I mean, I know it might have been against junk yards, but at least maybe they see something. Maybe they're going to give him a chance. I think think they've done. Now, what they can get for Rodgers, I don't know, because unless Rodgers comes out – He's represented by Dave Dunn, too. Unless he can come out and say, I'm, I'm going to play three years, how do you give up a bunch of draft picks for him? You don't know what you're getting. 
And I think that's why the Packers would be done with this guy. You don't really know what you're getting, but if you're the New York Jets and say, we feel like we have a roster that's ready-made to compete for a Super Bowl with a good quarterback, maybe you take that leap of faith and say, Aaron Rodgers. You Rogers, say that, right? I mean, everybody keeps saying the Jets, and then I look at the Jets' yeah. cap number, right? Now, the Jets got some dead money on their cap. I mean, you know, you talk about a value of a player. I mean, Lincoln Thompson cost $17 million on their cap. Oof. Right? Mosley's at $21 million. I mean – they got Carl Lawson at the, you know, they got a bunch of guys. Now they can get rid of Dwayne Brown. That's not a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. They can get rid of him. I mean, they can do it. They can do a bunch of things, but the reality of it is, is they're going to have to maneuver. They only going in this off. They only had a few, a little bit of money. I mean, they didn't have all this money. I mean, Corey Davis is on their cap for 11.1 million. Yeah. They spent a lot last year to get that. And then Quinn Williams, they haven't done his contract yet. So, like, if you go down this road, now the owner sounds like he wants to go down this road, but you go down that road, you know, you're going to get rid of some of these guys because you got to get below the cap or you got to reduce some deals. What's the percentage chance that if Rodgers comes back, like, is he absolutely done in Green Bay? Because they, what I, Bob McGinn is reporting, he says that, that they're I done. I would put that at like 90%. I really, I would put it 98%. 98? I, mean, I don't think you could ever say never, never. Yeah. But I think it's I think the ship sailed. And if it hasn't sailed, it's it, if it hasn't sailed, it, it's und- it's fucking unlocked the, the, the ropes. <laughs> All right. Well, Aaron Rodgers potentially on a new team. We'll find that out coming up later on in free agency. Also, that's a vote of confidence for uh, for our guy, Jordan Love here. You know, if they're, if they're comfortable moving on with Aaron Rodgers and let's let's they, start well, the Jordan Love. Era. They have. I mean, they draft them. They got a one invested in them. They watched yeah. them practice. Right. I think the Aaron Jones signing tells you more about love than it does about Rodgers returning. They need to keep good players around mm-hmm. around Jordan Love. You you can't all of a sudden say, okay, Jordan, you go out there with a bunch of other rookies, not going to work. Yeah, surround the quarterback with some good players. Hopefully they do the same in Chicago. Uh, let's take our, another break here, Michael. <laughs> I see you shaking your head. We'll take another break. We'll talk about some hires in the coaching ranks here on the GM Shuffle. <laughs> The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
Over the weekend, we saw Eric Bieniemy become the new offensive coordinator and assistant head coach of the Washington Commanders. So this is a quote-unquote promotion in title now that he's going to be the assistant coach and not just the OC here. But we talked a lot about it on the last podcast of why can't Bieniemy get a job? What's going on in these interviews? Because he's interviewed for 12 teams over the last five seasons, has not been given that head coaching job. Now he goes the OC route. And to me, I think this is a wildly unfair situation because you go from coaching the best quarterback in the league to where now you need to prove yourself with Sam Howell or insert quarterback to be named later now to potentially get a head coaching job. But Biennemi is now the play caller in the OC and the assistant in our nation's capital. Well, I mean, look, you know, Steve Spagnola did it. He was at the Eagles, too, as a defense coordinator. He went up to, he went up to the Giants. He was the linebacker coach at the Eagles, and he went up. He was, I think, he was with Steve. It was with uh, Jim Johnson was still alive, and he took that job with Coughlin. And everybody said, "Boy, that's a dumb move. You know, you're not going to be able to win there, and you're going to get fired in a year." And next thing you know, he's the head coach of the St. Louis Rams. So, you know, what lot, what looks like uh, a bad situation to some people looks like opportunity. I mean, as the great Albert Einstein once said, "In the middle of difficulty lies opportunity." Look. Is it perfect? They got some really good skill players in Washington. Yeah. I mean, they do. McLaurin, Dotson, Logan Tom. The offensive line isn't very good. And he's going to have to get the quarterback to play well. But, I mean, if he stays there, he's not getting one. Look, here's the reality. I, everybody who defends, who takes shots at the league for not hiring the enemy, and that's fair, I think Steve Wilkes has a better case really, because Steve Wilkes proved he could win six games. I don't think that was fair to him, mm -hmm. but the owner wanted to wanted to go with an offensive coach, so he has every right to do whatever he wants. But I think, you know, why don't we – Ryan Poles inter, didn't interview the enemy. Ballard, Chris Ballard interviewed him. They didn't hire him. They hired an offensive coach. So, like, maybe we should talk – maybe the enemy should talk to those. And, like, what is he doing wrong in the interview? Like, I, like we wrote about today on The Daily Coach, it, it really isn't – it's a more reflection – of the the person who rejected you than the rejectee so you've got to be able because if joshua bell is only getting 30 dollars worth of tips meanwhile he's having concerts worth you know cost 150 a ticket and he's giving away free shit in the base in the metro station in washington so, you know people are just you're, you're playing to the wrong audience right mm -hmm. that's essentially what was happening down there and so is b enemy playing to the wrong audience i think that's the fair question he's got to ask to fix it because I agree with you. It's not fair to him if he goes in there and they're 24th in the league in offensive football again because they don't have a quarterback. Yeah. You know, is that on him? I mean, Brian Dayball, this is fact. Brian Dayball went from – he went from uh, – he was he went from uh, the, the Browns. He went to Miami, didn't move the ball. Then he went to Kansas City, struggled to be the offensive coordinator there, got fired. Was We tried to bring him into Cleveland, interview him for an offensive coordinator job. That didn't happen. He went to New England. Then he went to Alabama, and yeah. then he got the Buffalo thing. And when he gets to the Buffalo, he's got Josh Allen. Okay, great. Now he's a good, all of a sudden he's been the same good coach all along. But now that he got Josh Allen, he became a great coach, right? That's mm -hmm. kind of what happens. So you know, I mean, I think it's going to be hard, and you're going to have to see through the 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 situation to hire him. Because my only concern here for enemy and I don't know, he might like I said in the last podcast, he might be the greatest head coach ever. He might be the worst head coach ever, but. My concern is that if Washington's offense is not productive this season, people are going to point to say, see, that's why he shouldn't be a head coach, that he was yeah. just riding the coattails of Mahomes and Reed. I think, I think you know, you're going to get that anywhere. I think the bigger concern, if I was the enemy, is like, look, I'm, I'm inheriting a staff that I didn't hire. Like, I got 
I got Juan Castillo's my tight end coach. He probably thinks he should be the coordinator. You know, I got John Matsko, the line coach. I got, you know, I got other coaches on the staff that that never have worked with him. So that's going to take some leadership skills. That's going to take him really comprehensively building a team, you know, and, and trying to find a way to get everybody integrated into what he wants to do and how he just works it. Because not every team game plans the same way. And so I think it's going to really require his ability to get leadership and move from there. Is the is the seat a little warm for Ron Rivera? Because he's been I in mean, Washington for a little bit while. Maybe BNB becomes the interim head coach midway I mean, through the season. I think there certainly could be the case. I really do. I think there's a really good chance of that. I mean, because look, Ron hasn't had a winning season in five years. Although you'd never know it. I mean, Ron was out at the seat was at the Super Bowl. I told you that. What when did we talk? We talk about that. He was at the Super Bowl. He's going from interview row. Like if I didn't make the playoffs in five years that I was the head coach, I would never let the office. I've actually texted a coach in the league and said, are you here at the senior bowl? He said, fuck no, I'm, I'm in offensive meetings. Okay. <laughs> he was, he was playing golf instead of going to the senior bowl. <laughs> I mean, he was doing the AT&T uh, Pebble beach pro-am. So hey, that's two weeks off. I mean, I'm not saying it'll take time off, but I mean, at some point, like, what are you doing? It's a fair question to ask, especially with a coach that, I mean, a season ago, they finished eight, eight and one prior to that seven and 10, 2020, they go seven and nine. Now they win the division that year and make the playoffs in 2020 because the NFC East was just an utter disaster. Prescott got hurt. Eagles had their issues with Carson Wentz. So he's yet to be above 500 at, yeah. with, the, with mean, the commanders. He has, he has, he's only had three 500 seasons. And here's the thing. The commanders don't have a lot of money to spend. I mean, they've got, you know, they're going to have to fix that offensive line badly. It line's not very good. They're going to have to fix the line, and they're going to have to figure out who's the quarterback. I'm looking at his records just year over year, and he my three God, seasons, Jimmy. this is this is incredible stuff, man. Nobody pays it. Nobody looks at the facts. It's <laughs> like in most cases, everybody just has an opinion without looking at facts. I was like listening to Rick Rubin's book, The Musical Guy, and he talks about the the evolution of history, how it's really just based on opinion. It's not because you don't live in the moment, you don't realize uh -huh. it. People don't realize it. You know, if you're if you've studied his career, he's had three winning seasons. That's that's incredible. And, and yet he's treated by the media like he's won seven Super Bowls. I mean, Belichick was rumored to be on the hot seat this year. Six fucking titles. How many wins? The winningest coach of all the greatest coach of all time. That people are writing stories like he should get fired. Meanwhile, Ron Rivera's sitting there in Washington just like saying, Hey Biz, I'm here. I love my life. His last winning season was in 2017. It's 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 typically what what Ruben talks about. What what they it's a little bit about it's it's journalism. It's targeted journalism. So if you don't like something, they're going to target that, you know. And so all of a sudden, the heat is on. The, yeah, the heat's not on for Ron Rivera. Maybe it will be this Ron because people because why people like Ron. Everybody yeah. likes Ron. Ron had cancer. I hope he I hope he's cured cancer. He's probably the nicest human being on planet Earth. I'm sure he is. But he's never held to the standard that some of these other coaches are. I think that's the biggest lesson and something that I was taught before I began my career. It's either you better be the best at your job or you better be likable and be able to get along with others. Because <laughs> if you're not in one of those two categories, your ass is going to be on the outside looking in because nobody I mean, wants the, the, you, if you if they don't like you. The other thing I said about Ron, I mean, if, if Daniel Snyder didn't have his $50 million home up for sale and he wasn't going to make a billion dollars, uh, $8 billion, $7 billion, he would have fired Ron after two years. But, you know, it's a different world now. I mean, so, but yeah. I mean, 
just think about that. This offseason, people were saying Belichick should get fired. Nobody was, no national media pundits was saying Rivera's done a bad job. The Carson Wentz trade, all that stuff that happened. So the whole problem with the team was they fired Scott Turner. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jack Del Rio's still there, that defense. I mean, yeah, This is two years in a row. The only change they've made on the coaching staff in two years after not making the playoffs is one coach. They brought well. They brought in Juan Castillo, the tight end coach. But then they brought in they brought in Bienemy. Now Bienemy's got to take this over. That's a hard thing to do. And and, and you say that oh the culture's great. Okay, is what? it really? Yeah, yeah. No, no. no. <laughs> I hope nobody's saying that the culture's great in Washington based on what we've seen with that team. Michael, let's take our final break. On the other side, we'll get to the new culture in Arizona with our guy Jonathan Gannon now as the head coach. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. All right, finally, Michael, before we get out of here, we got to talk about what happened at the introductory press conference for Jonathan Gannon in Arizona, now the new head coach for the I Cardinals. I thought that was you. I thought you were you were giving him those quotes about your love for Kyler Murray. I thought that was you giving him those quotes. Was that you in the background I saw over there? It wasn't me. I, I, I did not make my way down to Arizona or anything like that. But uh, Gann, I mean, Gannon, he's, he's a fan of the mayor. Defended. You're like the Perry Mason of quarterbacks. You'll come in and defend any quarterback. I, mean, I will not. I mean, we, we just talked about Daniel Jones. I wasn't defending him. I don't think he's worth all that money. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't move the needle for me. You got Tua, you, you're, you're, you got Tua in your firm. You, got, you definitely got Justin Fields on retainer. You got Tua on retainer. You got – who else do we have on retainer? Who else – oh, well, I, I'm with you on Lamar. So you, yeah. that, that, you're not on the retainer there. Who else have you got on retainer? There's somebody else that you're in love with too. Oh, no, I, 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 I call it like I see it. That's all I do. I call it like I see it with these quarterbacks. I mean, I mean, obviously, I love all the other Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Herbert. I mean, I love all those guys. Yeah, you know? but this one, your boy, your boy, the mayor. You, you know, I mean, like you and you and Jonathan Gannon must have had a conversation now, before. Now, I will say this: a year after we started this podcast, obviously, I was in love with the mayor last off season. The mayor's on thin ice with me now. Based on oh, what we okay. saw in 2022, he's on thin ice. So it, we got to see we got to see this thing turn around for the mayor. But Jonathan, you, mean you might you might sublet his work out to Della, the assistant attorney in the office, as opposed to Perry coming in and handling the case. He's on thin ice with me. Yeah, I <laughs> so, can see that. This is what Jonathan Gannon said about Kyler Murray, though. "Quote: Not too many times you're taking over a team and you have a franchise quarterback." We will maximize the talent of the players that we have, and that's how we're going to win games. And don't get it twisted. We're going to win games. I mean, look, it's just like, look, if you think he's a franchise quarterback, God bless you. He's never demonstrated that. Is he a franchise athlete? Yeah. Can he make plays when he's not in the pocket? Without a doubt. Can he win when he has to win a playoff game? I don't know. I mean, he certainly didn't went out to the Rams last year and got his ass whooped. Seattle beat him on the last game of the year. Coming now, he's coming off a knee. Look, here's the worst thing you can do. When you go ahead like they do and you proclaim to the team that he's your franchise, how about all those other players on the team that you that have done everything and yet he's been neglected? Right? Like that you just sent a bad message. When Art Modell announced to the Cleveland media that there was nobody more important than Brony Kosar, 
to the franchise. It just undermined the coach. Meanwhile, the coach now in his first press conference is kissing the player's ass that he doesn't know anything about. Like if he, I bet if he talked to eight players on that team, he would be like, yo, this, this something wrong here. Remember, the only guy that didn't go out to help Buda Baker was, was the guy on the bench that he's defending. So if you want to change the culture, you're embracing the guy who really is part of the bad culture. That's not smart. Well, he wants to ingratiate his team himself to the team and ingratiate himself to the quarterback, I think, first and foremost, because he I'm sure Gannon thinks about it, says my job is solely tied to Kyler Murray being successful. So I need to make sure that he's successful and we are on the same page here. So I get trying to do that. Is it a little over the top? Probably, but he probably has to be over the top. Otherwise, the questions then start coming out saying, is Gannon sold on Kyler Murray? And I don't think he wants to start his tenure off that way. But, but it's easy. It's easy. All you got to do is go there and say, look, I played against him. He's a very good player. You know, everybody here is going to earn what they get. You know, I understand his contract situation, but this is going to be a best player is going to play. We expect him to be the leader of the team. Challenge him. Use the media to issue a challenge to him. Mm. Talk to him through the media. Tell him, hey, look, this is we're going to need him to be our best player. We're going to need him. Don't anoint him the franchise when he isn't a fran. Don't don't say that. We're going to need him to play at the highest level. It's my job to get him to play at a high level. Yeah, no. Phil Jackson used to talk to his players through the media. Jimmy Johnson did that as well. All the great coaches Every have done that. Coach does. Every good coach does because they all listen to it. So, like, that's the thing. You got to be able to say, "Hey, look, here's what we're doing." But when you start kissing ass in the media, you basically all the other players are like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. That, that guy gets his ass kicked, and he does this. He don't even. He didn't even open up his playbook. They had to put that. We forgot about that clause that got put in there mysteriously." <laughs> It just got put in there by some ghost that came in and wrote it in the contract. I don't know where the ghost came from. Casper, somebody wrote it in. How did it get there? I have no idea. But we got it taken out. We got we got the clause taken oh, out. We'll take it out now. That was never meant to be, even though all three parties are represented by one guy. That's the classic. <laughs> 30 for 30 on the homework clause. Uh, this note from Peter King was interesting in his last uh, Monday morning quarterback column. He said that the Eagles offered Jonathan Gannon a new contract with more money to stay on as a defensive cardinal, as a defensive coordinator than the Cardinals were offering him to become their new head coach. Gannon turned it down because he wanted to be a head coach. But uh, it sounds like Philly still wanted Gannon to be their D.C. despite a lot of the fans saying, you know what, see you later, Gannon. We don't really want you here anymore after what we saw in the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, I think the market value was pretty clear. Like, I think the market value of what coordinators are getting is somewhere between four and five. And that used to be what first-time head coaches got. And I think Nathaniel Hackett made like four million. So I could see him offering them that kind of deal. If if say the say the Cardinals offered him five a year, mm -hmm. I don't think the Cardinals are paying eight, nine a year. I think because they have to pay off Cliff, I don't think they're doing that. Yeah, no, that's that's for sure. We don't I don't think they want to be paying two coaches a boatload of money. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the podcast. Next podcast will be Thursday. Michael, I will be in San Diego for the podcast on Thursday, taking a little bit of time off uh, starting on you. Wednesday. There's but no time off on GM Shuffle. Well, there's, no, ever, there's no time off on the shuffle. You get no break. <laughs> there's no time shuffle. off on the shuffle. We'll, we'll be shuffling by a Pacific beach. So we'll be in San Diego and stuff, but uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Will, will you be back in Jersey on uh, Thursday? I will, will be you... back in my office on Thursday. Okay. I sure will. I'm back to work. I'm back to work on Wednesday. And then I'm going to take a bunch of time off in March uh, to kind of relocate. I'm going to go out to Vegas for a month. Hell yeah. And 
work from there. And we're going to do, we are going to do a podcast from the Mob Museum, Elliot. So we'll get that arranged. Let's get that in order. So far, we'll do that uh, when Michael is out here Make in sure Las Vegas. Make sure you take your DVDs with you on, on The Sopranos. Don't come back unless you watch two <laughs> of the seasons. Don't come back. Just don't come back. I'll be, I'll be on the lamb in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, you are. If you don't come back with some knowledge, yes, that's right. <laughs> Thank you to Elliot Bowman, our producer on the ones and twos, or the or the Geeter on the heater. What is it? What's the phrase again? Geeter with the heater. The, the boss of the, the big heater. time sauce. Yeah, there he goes. <laughs> there we go. Uh, thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Vise, and thank you to you, Michael. Safe travels back home to Jersey, and I will talk to you. I won't be beachside because I got to make sure I can still plug in and get Wi-Fi and all that stuff. So I'll probably be in some sort of hidden room somewhere in the Airbnb that we're staying at. But uh, I'll talk to you from San Diego. Good for you. Enjoy it. <laughs> talk soon. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.